Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. My guests today are five people with deep knowledge and experience of cities and regions. Yunus Arikan, Director of Global Advocacy at Eclay World Secretariat. Jalmar Falk, Operational Manager of BID Malmö. Frida Gautier, Leander, Senior Consultant at Rumble Social and Economic Impacts in Malmö. Trevor Graham, Director of Urbanisland in Malmö. Milan Obraovic, Deputy Operational Manager BID Malmö. So this week, when the city of Malmö hosts ICLEI's World Congress of Local and Regional Governments dedicated to sustainable urban development, I decided to shine a light on some of the world's urban challenges with the people who have been working in the development of a sustainable Malmö, and also people who can talk about ICLEI's network of more than two and a half thousand local regional governments. Welcome, uh, Junus. You are the first guest in my podcast from the city of Malmö. The ICLEI's World Congress of Local and Regional Governments, the leading network of more than 1,750 cities around the world and uh, who are committed to work on sustainable future. So can you tell us what's on the agenda in Malmö? We have around more than 500 participants across the world. So we said that the, it's not just to listen and talk, but to see action on the ground. And Malmö is a test bed in the urban lab for sustainability. The key highlight of the World Congress here will be, of course, our progress on five pathways, low emission, nature-based, circular, uh, resilient. But the fifth one will be kicked off, the equitable and people-centered development pathway in Malmö through our Malmö commitment. And that will be the, the flagship of our uh, event here. Mm. And uh, when we're going into the role of cities in relationship to the national and the global level, uh, how do you see the, the, the local and regional cities position today? Well, this is, this is uh, of course, we are living in interesting and important and challenging times. Um, what we have seen, ICLEI has been in, active in the space since 1990 Europe. Over these 30, 35 years, we have seen mushrooming of initiatives with and for local governments. And the United Nations, the national governments are much more aware. They have acknowledged now that we are in an urban world. Uh, they are aware many of the solutions at the global and national level cannot be sorted out without cities or can be easily addressed with local and governments. We have seen this in the climate agenda, Paris and Glasgow, biodiversity and many others. However, to put this into action needs a certain new way of collaboration in terms of governance structures, in terms of sharing of responsibilities, budgets and, and authorities, decision making. And we are also seeing cities are also changing. They are much more open to their citizens in terms of those who are on the front runner. And finally, we are in the verge of a third world war. And in that space, again, the role of cities in bringing peace, sustainability, and, and going hand in hand is, is becoming more and more clear. The world needs cities and the cities will also demand multi-stakeholder and multi-level collaboration that they cannot achieve their goals without partnerships with their 
different peers, but also with their national and global partners. Do you think it can be stronger uh, position for cities uh, in the global level? Yes, that, that's our goal. I mean, there is an unprecedented reference to cities in the G7 agenda. G7 is important because it represents the first club of the nations, which is the rich and, and developed ones. So having this recognition by them is important because that also spillovers to G20 and others. In, in, in the United Nations, Secretary General is about to launch his advisory group of local energy governments, which will be elevating our interaction. And uh, we will also see in parallel uh, also uh, with the climate debate in the efforts to go to climate emergency mode, bringing urban development to the climate action becomes more important than ever. And good news is that UN Habitat for the first time will convene the climate and urbanization ministerial at COP27 with, with uh, Egypt, of course. And then we will have a deal for nature where it will be also addressing subnational engagement. So if if we can make these a number of cornerstones systematically linked to each other and hoping that we will get to a much more equal world, we believe cities could be the engines of drivers for a positive change or prevent worse things to come. As I understand also, there's a lot of different uh, communities and, and cities and regions that are very active in your network. Can you give us uh, and the listener five of your favorites okay. uh, who are in the front? Obviously, representing a network, I, I cannot be that much objective. I would try to look for oh. our champions in our leadership. So I would um, like to start, of course, uh, Scandinavia has always been Scandinavian candidates. Nordic uh, way of living has always been pioneering. So of course, Malmö uh, will be showing this, how it is implemented for years and years of experience and introducing new and innovative ideas. Uh, so, of course, I would like to start with Malmö. But again, Sweden is so many uh, success stories for Stockholm uh, and other other cities. So there is plenty of Scandinavian experience. And also not just Sweden. Turku, uh, vice president of ICLE, is also here with us. So we're also proud to have Turku, a European Nordic country. In, in, in the southern or eastern Europe, for example, let me put it this way. Cities are also dynamic. Yeah? They can change. Their leaders change, the staff change. So you cannot talk about a continuous, perfect case. There are ups and downs. So let's, I'm talking about the today's, let's say, realities. In the global south, for example, in the European south, we have mayor of Izmir, one of the biggest metropolitans, uh, which is also introducing the new concepts of circular culture, which will also be working with Ikle. In the Africa, I mean, Kelimane, uh, our representative of Ikle is a regional committee in Africa, it's not too many people is aware of it. In Mozambique, they are making a brilliant success story about eco-mobility, bringing mobility to the equality of the people and, and introducing nature-based solutions. Mayor of Kalimane is one of our champions. We are very happy. Together, to the other end, Shafshawan, which is the first city in Morocco committed to race to resilience. In Asia, you will hear from Iqlaib's Again, first vice, uh, vice president Atishi Marlena, member of the Legislative Assembly of Delhi, capital territory, in a new way of culture of politics in Delhi, how they can prevent corruption and introduce services, basic services, uh, equitable and, and affordable. In the US, you will see from Hawaii to uh, Ann Arbor, our leaders uh, bringing how local governments in the US 
will continue to keep the bar high, uh, and this time a bit more better with the federal government. And in the global south, again in Latin America, we are proud to have Recife, the first city declaring climate emergency, climate neutrality, and now having a, a youngest mayor in, in Brazil. Oh, great, uh, Junos, and it's a pleasure to have you as a guest in, in uh, this podcast, uh, specific looking into the uh, ECLAI World Congress in Malmö. Thank you for your participation today. Thank you, Kaya. Thank you. Now I have been moving out from uh, the Congress in Malmö at the Eclay World Congress and uh, I have with me Jalmar Falk here in uh, Sofia Lund. Sofia Lund is one of the most interesting areas in Malmö uh, with its uh, bid. We have a lot of different sustainability projects in Malmö uh, named like Augustenborg, Hilly, Sige Park, Lindengen, but uh, Sofia Lund, Jalmar. What is a special thing happening here? Well, it started around 2010 when we had uh, five area programs in Malmö. And now we are standing in the middle of Superlund and this area is one of the most vulnerable areas in Malmö. And in 2010, uh, it, was point, it was pointed out by the politicians in Malmö as, as a really problem area. We had a lot of, lot of drug problems, a lot of criminal problems and a lot of problems with the property owners. Uh, and we could very soon find out that there were a lot of slum owners in, in this area. You know, where people were living in a really bad condition. And in the beginning, uh, we found, uh, we had a list about 20 property owners in this area. And there's 2,400 households here. But when we were knocking doors in the area, we found 59 property owners in this area. When we looked at these 59 property owners, we find, found about uh, 10, 15 property owners with about uh, 15, 20 properties in the area who were in really bad conditions, really bad. People were feeling very bad in the apartments. They, it was a lot of problem there. And we had to uh, f take a lot of those property owners to the, to the rental organization, also to the rental court uh, to see if we could do something about this. And while working with this, and also the media was very interested in our work, uh, we found out a model uh, to work with property owners because suddenly we got rid of a lot of property owners in the area. And then we found a model called BID. Uh, and BID is standing for Business Improvement District in, in other countries, in, in the USA and Canada and so on. But in Malmö, we call it, we, we have translated the word into uh, more focusing on uh, people living in the, in the area and more at integration and dialogue instead. But we don't call it project anymore because people in Malmö are so tired of projects. So we call it a long-term process because to change an area like South part of Sofia Lund takes about 5 to 15 years. And we also find out that the key factor for making a good area and good living, living uh, environments for the people living in the area, the key factor of this is the property owners. They're the most important persons uh, working uh, if we're going to get sustainability in an area. So we started to work with the property owners 
and we created a partnership between the property owners, between Malmö city and between the authorities in, uh, in Malmö, for example the police authorities and the fire department and so on. And we also picked up a lot of the house community, communities in the area uh, where, uh, where people are, own their own apartment because it was very important to get them into the partnership also because we could then reach all the inhabitants, all the people living in the, in the area. And then we also, 2014, when we started the bid, we also contacted Malmö University and we got, uh, we got in contact with two criminologists uh, working at the deport department in the university and they started to follow us. And they also could make a form of a zero line in the area. What is the challenges in the area? What, is the, what, what do we have to work with in the area? What is the most important for people to work in the area? So 2014 we started with that and we got uh, sent out a lot of surveys to people living in the area, to, uh, to property owners, to business and so on and ask them what shall we work with now when we are starting a long-term process and people said what we expected we want to have a safe area and we want to have a clean area safe and clean that was the most important there was a lot of littering in the area a lot of uh, graffiti in the area a lot of people selling drugs in the area a lot of criminality a lot of burning cars and people don't didn't want to have this anymore that was the starting point of the bid process in, in Sofia Lund. Maybe you can say a little bit about the size of the area, how the many size, people yeah. are living in, here? Yeah, in south part of Sofia Lund we have about 2400 households and when we started the bid we thought that it, it was too small to start a bid in, so we escalated that to the whole Sofia Lund. So now we are working with uh, around 9000 households. We have about 980 businesses in Sofia Lund, from the small football club up to the big bakery, uh, Pogens Bakery, who's uh, making bread and so on in, in, in Malmö. And we have about 150 NGOs in the area and uh, around uh, 50, I think about 50 house communities uh, where you own your own uh, apartment. So it's a, it's a big ecosystem of, uh, of uh, uh, business and uh, property owners and uh, NGOs. So we started to work very hard. We worked uh, from 2014 to 2019. And um, if I say like this, in 2015-16 we had about 40-50 young men harassing people in the area. Uh, so, and 2017-19 we had about 10 left in the area. Uh, Many have jumped off the criminality, left the criminal world. Uh, many have got into the exit programs in Malmö uh, because we were so hunting them everywhere. Uh, property owners were securing up their properties, so you couldn't sell in uh, drugs in the area in the properties. Uh, we, we were certi cert made certifications for the properties to make them, make them safe and secure, so people could feel that when we are living in our properties no one can come in there, no one can disturb us and we started to clean up the whole area. A lot of things happening and 2019 the governmental organization were working with us and also giving us money for researching for researchers in, uh, in Sofia Lund. They asked us if we wanted to uh, be part of a big uh, uh, competition in Europe called ECPA uh, for the, which stands for European Crime Prevention, uh, 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 Crime Prevention Award. So we 
we said, okay, we can try if we can join the, this uh, this uh, award, uh, this um, competition, and we won. Uh, so 2019, we got gold in this uh, competition before Germany and Denmark, and this was really something good for the for the property owners and for this Malmö city. Suddenly, they saw that if you're working together with something uh, and do it in collaboration, and we all do the same thing at the same time, then it gets effect. But if we work in those uh, silos and don't and don't help each other, you you you, you can't you can't uh, you can't you can't change anything. But if you do it together, because Malmö City was so uh, during this time, they were so concerned about this because they said we can't do this alone. We have to have help from the property owners, and the property owners they screamed for help from the city, and the police they screamed for help from the property owners and from Malmö City. But when we started to make this partnership, suddenly something happened. So this was a big success. You are an independent organization, yes, uh, and, uh, and uh, related to to the the, the city uh, yes, structure. The, yeah. But uh, the city learn a lot from from uh, what you are doing. And are you when you look at what you gain and and you said it is uh, not a project, it's a process. So how do you expand uh, your your knowledge and experience to other areas in Malmo? It has taken a couple of years. I was employed before by Malmö City, now I'm employed by the property owners. Uh, but uh, the, the knowledge we got now from, from the researchers, for example, and all the analysis we have done in Sofia Lund, we have used that to look at, can we, can we expand this to other areas in Malmö? And the politicians in Malmö are very interested in expanding into other areas. And when you know when we won this prize and we could see uh, a decrease of uh, of problems and challenges, so uh, you see a decrease of problems in uh, in Superlund, uh, the police said maybe maybe we can uh, lift south part of Superlund from from this list of vulnerable areas. But we have another area in in Malmö called Mölvogen, which is a great problem. So now we took the experience from Superlund and we can put it over into Mölvogen, the new area. Uh, which is very different from Sofia Lund because in Möllevången in Malmö we have this big, this is the biggest area in Malmö where we have a lot of pubs, music, we have nightclubs, restaurants, we have a lot of uh, uh, businesses in, in the area. We have about 3,800 businesses in this area, new area and we have about 12,800 households. We have about to totally in Sofia Luna Mölvången, we are now working with 220 property owners. It's it's, it's incredible amount of property owners we are working with, and in Mölvången we have about 100 housing communities working with them, and about 400 NGOs. So even here we have this big, uh, what I call ecosystem of uh, different uh, stakeholders which we have to work together with. So if you touch the future issues of uh, Sofia Lund and, and Malmö, where do you think you will go for the time to come? After Mölvången? Yes. Uh, we are talking about some other areas in Malmö, but we have also um, uh, worked with uh, some other cities in, in, in Sweden. Uh, for example, we have uh, Uppsala, which is one big city in northern in middle of Sweden, asked us, uh, asked us for help how to uh, start a bid in Uppsala. So now we are helping them. And we also have some other uh, cities in the south part of Sweden who have been calling us for help. And we are helping with the structure uh, because you can't transform, you, can, you, you can't take a bid from one area and put it 
just put it into a new area. You have to uh, look very much uh, how the area looks, how is the culture, how is the socio-economic factors, how is the architecture in the area, culture in the area and so on. So there's a lot of factors you have to look before you start to build. One of the main issues at the ICLEI Congress is also related to, to the environmental issues and climate yeah. issues. Uh, has uh, the climate issue been important uh, for you also in the work in it Sofia was It was extremely important because when we started in 2015, uh, we got a lot of signals from some of the property owners. They asked us, are we, are we not going to use the Agenda 2030 goals? Uh, how can we work with them? Uh, so in 2019, 2018, excuse me, uh, we were we were the first uh, area in Malmö who wrote a climate contract between uh, our electrical company Aeon and uh, our water supplying company, which is the municipal water supplying company, and uh, uh, property owner Bid Sofia Lund and Malmö City. And the first we did was to look at how can we work with renewable energy, for example. So we worked a lot of installing solar panels, for example. We're looking at how can we work with when it's raining a lot and we get this overflooding, flooding with water in the area. How can we work with that? How can we work with green areas? How can we expand with more, get more green areas in the area? People can eat and. and uh, maybe also uh, collect water when it's uh, when it's too much rain coming. We have a nearby area called Augustenborg here, uh, where we're working on very much with this, and we try to learn, take experience from that area also, yeah. working with green roof and many other things. Mm. So, as a total um, issue of change in the local mm. neighbourhoods here, how do you see the politicians' role? Do they listen to you to? take care about the experience you have and, and trying to push for development? Uh, I would say like this, uh, uh, when I was employed in Malmö, I had to be honest, I had problems with some of my uh, civil servants. It was very difficult for me to get, uh, get um, through uh, the bureaucracy in Malmö city. So I had to turn to the politicians. So I turned to the politicians and told them the importance of making a bid and making this partnership because we can all help each other. And you know, the, 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 it was the property owners who knocked at my door first and asked me, can we help each other and start a bid? So I told Malmö City, the politicians, if you want to be on this trip, on this journey, you have to jump on now because the property owners want to help us. And the politicians, I have to say, they have been so supporting uh, and really pointing with a whole hand and say, now we are going to start the bid process in Malmö, we are going to work like this and you, uh, and we have, you all have to help uh, in, in this partnership. And, and uh, also support in um, uh, both uh, resources uh, and Malmö City is now also uh, is a member in the, in the NGOs that put in a bit of money uh, every year for, for both, our, both property owners in Möllevång and both property owners in Sofia Lund. Thank you very much, Almar, for, for this uh, introduction to Sofia Lund. And with me here also I have Milan. So Milan, uh, welcome to the program. And uh, when we talk about climate contract, what does that mean? Well, when Mama started out to work with the sustainability, started out with the green sustainability and economic sustainability. And they started working in uh, Western Harbour. When they talked to people, property owners to develop the area. 
signed a contract, one of the most sustainable areas in the world. And they continued that in Hylia. And what we could see in Hylia was that companies usually working separately, competing to each other. They were starting to collaborate, working together to make it more sustainable to get high goals with the area. And uh, how successful has it been uh, when you look back and, and uh, what have you learned mostly from the pro programs? Oh, it's been very successfully. Uh, we can see that if the politicians set up high goals and long-term goals, they attract the best civil servants, they attract the companies, they attract the university and then they start working together and then they can achieve something, really high goals and set changes in the area. So it's a question of political leadership? Yeah, exactly. A lot of politicians talk about the environment and uh, the change, but they don't know what to talk about. But what you can see in cities like Malmö, that the politicians really have high goals and long-term goals. They want to do something. And we can see that they really do that. Thank you very much, Milan. And we're going to go indoors now and to still talk a little bit more about the, the work here in Malmö and particularly in Spielund. Thank you, Milan. Thank you. Welcome uh, Trevor Graham, uh, one long-term worker in Malmö and uh, we are here in uh, Sofia Lund uh, and talking about uh, the development of uh, uh, Malmö city as a sustainable city. But um, yeah, we're going to look into the question about the climate issue also and um, what's your experience from, from the work you have done so far in, in Malmö? I think, I mean, in, in some respects you could say we started working with climate change before we were talking about climate change. We were talking in terms of renewable energy and, uh, and an awareness that there was an increasing risk of, of flooding incidents and those kind of issues. So we were, we were working with climate mitigation, climate adaptation before the terminology was really sort of in place. So this was going back into the, into the late 90s because it was the obvious thing to do. Malmo was coming out of its economic crisis at the same time as the, uh, the Rio conference was taking place and sustainability then became part of kind of the, the reinventing of the city. Uh, so we were experimenting at that time, essentially, um, on, a, on, a, um, on a district scale. So urban regeneration just up the road here in Augustenbori, which is now kind of a flagship of, of sustainable adaptation. So we've got a study visit going there from the, uh, the ECLE con Congress now. And then the parallel project with Augustenbori. So Augustenbori was like the the unemployed ship, shipyard workers and the new arrived refugees from from war zones and all the rest of it. So working in a kind of like a gritty real life uh, community, um, engaging people in the, in the transition there. Uh, and at the same time, working in the Western Harbour with this the waterfront development on old industrial brownfield site, where the concept was around 100% renewable energy, uh, energy efficient buildings, pedestrian friendly, cycle friendly, urban design. So there was a lot of elements of what you would call like the move towards a climate neutral city, which was taking place um, at that time. And then when when the, the first phase of the Western Harbour was complete with its innovative energy systems and all the rest of it, and now Gustambori was nearing its first stage of completion, the question was, well, where do we go now? And we say, well, look, okay, we've demonstrated that you can do a 100% renewable district, and not only that it's you know a sustainable district, it's also seen as being an attractive district. It's not about sacrifice, this is about quality of life. 
So it, it reframes the whole discussion about sustainability as being a kind of something on the fringes to being something at the core of, of um, urban, urban living. So then the next question is, okay, we've done a district, what about a city? Could you have a 100% renewable city? So we started like actively working towards, well, what, what, what could that look like? Within a few years, the uh, the offshore wind farm was was up and running. That that was the equivalent of roundabout. I think at the time, about forty percent of the household energy or electricity demand in the city was the equivalent of what they were producing. And then it became very easy to say, well, look, if we had two of those and use our electricity a bit more wisely, we're there. It, and and suddenly that whole discussion about what seemed like pie in the sky, rocket science was actually, yeah, this, this is, it's kind of, this is deliverable. We can kind of do this. And uh, so I think there's, there's been like a, a timeline, if you like, going back into the 1990s, taking us to the, to the current day. Malmers has it's increased from, I think, a population of about 200,000 back then to 350,000 now and at the same time reduced its its uh, carbon emissions by 40%. So you could say this, there's been a, a huge uh, development during that time but the reality is that we've got a target goal, a target now of 2030 to be climate neutral so we have to do more than twice as much as what we've done over the last 30 years we need to do in the next seven. So that's kind of the scope of our challenge at the moment. Which are the challenges in this process? Well, I mean, the, 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 the big one for Malmö, as, as, as most other places, uh, is mobility. Um, it, it's it's something where we can build our cycle lanes, we can improve our bus infrastructure, we can electrify the buses, we can make cycling, walking, uh, public transport more attractive. But at the end of the day, we have to entice people out of their cars. So there's an issue of individual choice. And I think the um, this is where the, the real challenges start kicking in because this is political dynamite. So how do you deal with those individual choice issues as, uh, from a city perspective, from a political perspective? We see like significant movement in other areas, things like the, um, the uh, LFM30, the, the, the Local Climate Neutral Building Partnership, which has mobilised 200 businesses in the city, committed to all of their projects, all of their operations. So it's like uh, building maintenance, building renovation, but also building operations and construction, everything being climate neutral by 2030. So it's, it's a massive commitment. They might not get all the way, but they're gonna be getting a long way. So there's, there's, there's some really interesting things in progress, but we've got, we've got big challenges, as I say, around mobility. We've got big challenges as well outside of our 2030 goal, because the 2030 is all about our territorial emissions, the, 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 the additional step, and there is a 2030 goal around reducing our consumption emissions. Um, and that, again, it's down to personal choices. And again, it's political dynamite. So the reality is that uh, we have some districts in Malmo where emissions are probably twice what... Uh, the equitable global share 
would be and say, okay, we could probably deal with that on a systems level by making sure that everybody's got 100% renewable energy going into their homes uh, and they've got good choices for, for public transport. These are the people on the lowest incomes who have the lowest climate impact. So our challenge there is to improve their quality of life and make sure that we can still decrease the, uh, the climate emissions. On the other hand, we've got other parts of the city where climate emissions are probably eight or nine times higher than the global equitable level. How do we how do we work there? How do we deal with that? So those those kind of in in one level at one level that's an issue that's kind of like on the horizon that we haven't really started working. We we've been working a lot from the sort of the technical side around how can we improve our mobility, how can we improve con construction, all of those kind of issues. We're moving, I think, into into a time where we, we need to start understanding what can we do, how can we engage with people um, around this. So we're we're looking at developing some of the past experience of working in geographical areas so focusing you know that old focus on the western harbour on on uh, on Augustan Bori or the stuff that's going on here in Sophia Lund things that are happening in other parts of the city and how can how can we piggyback on that and bring in a stronger climate dimension and also those dimensions around improving quality of lives yeah, improving job opportunities, all of those kind of things. How much of that can we start delivering through the climate transition? Is that going to be, you know, new jobs in in uh, circular economy and in, in in the sharing economy? There are plans for for um, battery factory. There's there's there are things in the pipeline which you know could be part of that transition, which actually brings together the employment, socio-economic development agenda, and the climate agenda in a very very strong way um but we're not we're not quite there we're feeling our way and um we need to go fast and this is this is a challenge how is it with the the financing part of this uh, do you have enough finance to invest in this area of need i mean i, th I think the so the city um, started working with uh, with its uh, its green bonds four or five years ago, and that's mobilising capital at slightly slightly improved rates to what we would have, we were getting otherwise. Mine was sort of AAA rated, so it's, borrowing money isn't a huge problem, um, but obviously there's a limit to how much the city wants to borrow. So th there 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 are obviously limits from from that perspective. I think the the challenge I suppose is the I think there's there are financial opportunities for the the marketable market ready the business ready uh, work. What is what we need is the uh, the bridging finance, so the risk finance to be able to cover the stuff where you're you're being a bit more experimental that we you're sticking your neck out and you're going out above and beyond, and certainly in some areas where you know there there, there are massive challenges around. Um, Cost of living, uh, cost of homes, uh, cost of housing here is uh, as as in most European cities and, and other cities around the world, it's is a real challenge. So how do you go about urban regeneration, but making sure that the people can still afford to stay in the homes, but at the same time making sure that those homes are coming up to future-proofing climate standards and all of those kind of things. So the, the, I mean, there the, there are there are challenges around the financing as well, looking at bit new business models. Mm -hmm. 
um, looking at ways of maybe, you know, if you're getting those kind of win-win-wins of socioeconomic savings, increased tax flows uh, coming out of some of that work at the same time that you're making climate investments, there are there's money going back into the public purse, there's savings being made. Can you harvest some of that to, to put into that some of the upfront investments so that you you're you're balancing your your um, short term investment with your long term savings? So all those kind of challenges, which are still still to be worked out, I think. Great, great uh, conclusion from from you, Trevor, and and thank you very much for your participation in the Transformers podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Still in uh, Sofia Lund in Malmö, I have with me now uh, Frida uh, Gontier Leander. Welcome. Thank you so much. You have been working in uh, the city of Malmö many years, uh, and um, particularly you have been looking into the change process in, in uh, local areas and, and the city of Malmö. Uh, what is uh, your view on, on how a change maker can succeed in uh, this process? Um, I I have been working uh, from the beginning. I started working with communication and communication for change um, mostly. And then after for the last five years, I've been I was working with as a sustainability strategist, but also with this change perspective uh, from the central level, the city office. And I think um, from my experience in the city of Malmo, there is a culture and um, an attitude or an approach to change that is uh, open and willing and curious, uh, I would say, that makes it easier in, in one way to, to, to succeed or survive sometimes as a change maker or the way between the civil organization or the civil servants organization and the politicians or the decision makers isn't that long and it's quite easy to have yeah, to get in contact and to have a dialogue with uh, decision makers and the management uh, structure so i think that's one one thing that is important to lift uh, regarding change processes yeah, because uh, when you see uh, process of change, uh, you have the citizens, you have the civil servants, and uh, you have the politicians. And uh, where do you see the biggest problem when you drive this type of process? Yes, and there is also the local businesses, uh, of course. And uh, I think sometimes it is to really understand the need. Uh, what is the real need of the citizens of the area? Um, to really listen, not only to, to have this um, dialogue where the citizens or the civil society can't really impact if either they come in too late or there isn't enough room to really make a difference, to, to make an impact. So I think that's that's a, a problem that we've been working with in the city of Malmö for a long time and it's uh, been learning along the way. I think that's one another key <laughs> To, to succeeding with change is to to be brave enough to fail and to be uh, wise enough to to change it next time to do uh, do something different uh, to learn and uh, dialogue and participation from citizen is one of those things that we have been 
working with for a long time and change along the way. And we have the 2030 agenda in Malmö. How has it progressed in the latest years? Yes, um, I've been an SDG coordinator for the last five years, so I think uh, I could um, start by saying that the politicians ha were driving the uh, to adopt the agenda already from the start at 2015. So there's been this push from the political level that we are uh, making the global goals local. And how do we translate that? So th that's been an ongoing process for the last five years. Uh, we have been um, cooperating and working together with uh, all the departments of Malmo to form a strategy for implementation. And one of the key processes there has been to, um, to get the global goals integrated, uh, sustainability integrated into existing processes, the decision-making processes, the budget process, and so on. So that's been a key factor uh, that we've been working with so that every time someone makes a decision, the 2030 agenda or the, the global goals or sustainability uh, from the three dimensions should be considered and um, uh, goal conflicts, as we call it, um, or synergies should be identified so that the decision is uh, well secured for sustainability or at least uh, least the least possible, um, doing the least possible harm to sustainability or uh, increasing the synergies, the good uh, effects of the decision. So that's one way. And uh, the other processes are about communication, participation, partnerships, and uh, that stems from the, the Mamo Commission knowledge alliances that we need to work together. We need to, to really identify the needs, uh, what needs to be done, what are the needs of the citizens and what are the needs top down as well. And somehow um, have these conversations that lead to the best possible decision uh, for sustainable development. So in the program, you have met uh, Trevor Graham, you have met uh, Frida Gottnier-Leander and also Milan Otradovic uh, and Jalmar Falk. And um, uh, we have been covering different types of perspective of the city's uh, challenges and uh, from the social issue to the climate issue. My question to all of you now, um, is Malmö on track to meet the sustainability targets. Trevor? I think we are, we've got our work cut out. We've got very ambitious targets for 2030. I think the, uh, the potential is there to be close to reaching those targets. Uh, the chances are there'll still be a few little threads to pull together at the end. But the, cha the real challenge is we've got such a short time to do it. So we've got a massive mobilization to take place in a very short space of time. Frida? I think we have the conditions in place, but also uh, there's a lot of big changes that are needed, not least in the climate area. I think we will be able to reach some of the targets, but not all, even though I think the uh, if we are progressing, if we are really getting closer towards it, it's a good start. 
Milan? Uh, we're on the right tracks, but uh, there might be some challenges. We have to co collaborate more with the organizations like BID. Uh, but by setting high goals and long-term goals, we can achieve it, but uh, there's still some work. A little bit more collaboration. And uh, Janmar? I think that we have a lot of challenges left, and I think we shouldn't hurry. Uh, it will take time. Uh, it will take time for us, and I think the biggest challenge is to, uh, to learn the the business in in Malmo, for example, what uh, how to work with the girls uh, to make clim climate change, and that's a long educational way we have to go. So it will take time, and I think Malmo should support us more in this uh, educa educational way. So we ha we have to learn more how to work. Uh, in uh, in small businesses and the middle businesses in Malmö and how to implicate the, the girls in our work. So this is a real challenge uh, for us. But I think we are on, Malmö is good. Malmö is working uh, very hard with this, uh, with the climate goals and with the climate work. And we, we are on the right track, but it will take time. And let it take time. That's the most important. Oh, thank you, uh, all of you, uh, to contribute to the discussion in Transformers podcast. And uh, thank you for today and hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.